When Bob Thompson retired seven years ago, the Sydney training ranks lost a most accomplished horseman, the trainer of 29 Group 1 winners. Bob grew up in the Sydney suburb of Banksia and he came from a non-racing family. As a youngster, he would ride his bicycle all the way to Oatley where he discovered a small riding school with horses for hire. And this was the experience that sparked his desire to become a jockey. Bob completed most of his schooling at Cogra Maris Brothers, but actually sat for his intermediate certificate at Cogra Boys High. His father, Harry, was a member of a local club, either the St George Motorboat Club or the Fisherman's Club, Bob is not sure which one it was, and a fellow member was a man called Arthur Davies, later to become a great favourite with television viewers as Clarence the Clocker, whose Saturday morning racing program on Channel 9 ran for many, many years. Clarence was also one of Tommy Smith's official clockers at the Randwick Trackwork sessions, and that's how his TV pseudonym originated. Harry told Arthur his son wanted to explore the possibility of becoming an apprentice jockey, and it was Clarence the Clocker who arranged Bob's initial interview with TJ Smith. Bobby Thompson is online to talk to me now. Bob, thanks for joining us. Do you remember that frightening first interview with the little general, as they called him? Well, I can't try to, but I can't remember that now. I, I can't remember it that well, but I do remember very early days, um, you know, working, walking into Tom Tullock Lodge at Dallas Street, Kensington, but mm. the actual interview with Tommy, I can't really remember, no. He probably no. passed it on. It'd be a very simple, small interview. Yeah, you look like you could make a jockey. Uh, see, see the foreman, he'll fix you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what that. it'd be. Yeah. Bob, you yeah. must have been pretty green when it came to riding thoroughbreds, but you would have had some very good tutors back in those days. Well, I had Tommy himself. He used to ride a little pony called Snowy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd he'd uh, um, he'd go into the stalls and and put a clip lead on on something like Jazz Singer or uh, or some other a small quiet horse mm-hmm. and throw me on and then take me out the centre and trot me around the centre with him leading me and then we'd break into a canter mm-hmm. and uh, then he'd take me back inside so I actually had Tommy himself me. Mm. Now, Bob, it's it's been generally accepted over the years that he wasn't an apprentice's trainer, but he had more apprentices than people realised. There were quite a few when you were there. Oh, exactly. We had, in the we had five or six riding apprentices, and, and people don't realise. He, he had a, he's had some good apprentices over the time. Frankie Lehman, uh, who was one comes to mind, rode at uh, Apple Bay when it won the Doomland 10,000. Frank was only an apprentice. And he also had um, Peter Lation, uh, oh. who who I think trains in, uh, I'm not sure where he trains now, Peter Lation. Hong Kong, I or think. whether he still does, Hong oh. Kong or Macau. But oh. Peter won a, a, a Doomland Cup on, on Marsh. Marceau, Marceau, I think the horse's name was, yes. Peter won a Dooming Cup as an apprentice. Mm. So he did have some good apprentices, and even before I was there, there was a, an apprentice, they say, was a brilliant rider, a guy called Ronnie Foe, mm. 
mm-hmm. was another one. And uh, it had H. Williams. We called him Johnny Williams, H. Williams. Mm. Robbie Tunstead, Jimmy Lyle. But um, no, he, he he wasn't frightened to put an apprentice on. I mean, when they, you just said earlier in your interview, an apprentice rode Tullock. Mm. That's right. Now, he yeah. historians and researchers, Bob, when they're going through Tullock's record, they are quite puzzled to see that he was written one day at Rose Hill by a jockey called W. Dinham, D-I-N-H-A-M, and uh, it really gets them scratching their heads. But you remember W. Dinham. You tell me his nickname was Porky and nobody knew what his first name was. That's correct. Um, I, for the love of me, couldn't think what his first name was because everybody just knew him as Porky Dinham. Well, he ran and, uh, and his claim to fame was getting beat on Tullock by Diamond Vista. Correct. <laughs> and Diamond Vista <laughs> was 10 to 9 on in that race, so he must have been a pretty good horse himself. Yeah, yeah. Diamond Vista was a very smart horse. Now, Bob, tell yeah. me about a bloke called Ted Swinton. He was a race jockey. In fact, I think he rode the winner of the Victorian Oaks on one occasion, Nizam's Ring. But he stayed on riding work for Tommy Smith for years and years and years, and they tell me he was a very good judge. Yeah, yeah, Teddy was a good mentor for me and a lovely, lovely guy, just the loveliest person. And um, we'd get there every morning and uh, was Tommy's number one track rider, and uh, he would more or less, George didn't like to get, uh, to the track too early of a morning. So Teddy more or less filled in for George. George Moore. For George Moore. Mm. Um, and, and in that capacity is riding the good horses that George, that George was riding on the Saturday. And in turn, Teddy would pass that information on to George. And uh, that's how mm. it worked in those days. Yeah. I mean, all good stables had great track riders. And, um, and Teddy Swinton, I mean, without question, Without question, was one of the best. Mm. Bob, I and, was. At uh, the... I think he then went to the work on the. He'd leave the track, and I think he worked on the walls with, with um, my good mate Bill Devonport, and yeah, those guys. Yeah. Bob, I, I was at yeah. the Port Macquarie Cup meeting round about nineteen ninety four ninety five. I wasn't calling the races, but I was hosting the, uh, the trackside coverage for Sky Channel. And I see a bloke hanging over the enclosure fence trying to uh, get my attention. And in between commitments, I wandered over and I said, "Uh, can I help you, mate? He said, yes, I'd like to say hello to you, John. He said, my name's Ted Swinton. Uh, Oh, really? Bob, he'd long retired. He was living at Port Macquarie. I never got to meet him back in the days when he was with Tommy Smith. But it was lovely mm. to catch up with him very briefly one day at the Port Macquarie Cup. And as you said, wow. a nice man. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He lived in, uh, I think he lived in West Botany Street, Ironcliffe. And, uh, but he was Tommy's number one track rider and a great judge. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, no, you... great riders. They, they were horsemen too in those days. Oh, they were they, great. Yeah. Frankie Lehman and Jimmy Lyle, Johnny Williams, Robbie Tunstead, they were real horsemen. Mm. And and obviously a major part of Tommy Smith's success too in those days with such a big team of horses. Oh, all big stables had to have, you know, I mean, the jockeys came and ride track work 
Also, but they had a good lot of um, good track riders riding their horses. And, mm. uh, you know, we we only worked about six. We had sixty-five in work mm. at Tommy's, and we he'd work them in about an hour and forty-five minutes to sixty-five to two hours because yeah. all the horses would be worked. Yeah, you know, he he had he was a great organizer of people, mm. and uh, you know, and a great eye for a horse. Now, Bob, you rode for your ticket at the long defunct Rosebury Racecourse. I think the horse you rode on the day was unraced, but boy, wasn't he destined to make a name for himself later. What was the name of the horse you got your ticket on? Yeah, the horse was Kill Sherry. Kill Sherry, who was owned by the Porters and Harveys. Mm-hmm. And he ended up winning the Stradbroke Handicap, and, oh, boy, he was a very good horse. In those days, you only had to have one ride to get your ticket. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pretty handy horse to, to ride Kill Sherry uh, at Roseby Racecourse. Yeah, that was a day. It was a, he was a good horse. Kill Sherry went on to win it. I think he won a Stradbroke plus other good races too. Well, yeah. Bob, you came out of your time with 40 winners behind you. You outrode your claim but all 40, and this is a real feather in your cap, all 40 were on metropolitan tracks. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't ride much at the provincials. Uh, Tommy never ran horses at the provincials other than their cup meetings. Mm. And uh, I never got to ride much at the provincials. And not like the apprentices today. You mainly just rode for your, your master in those days and... Uh, but nowadays, of course, they ride everywhere and every day of the week and for everybody. But, mm. but in those days, you, you, your allowance was kept <laughs> to your master just about. But uh, no, I had, a, I had a, you know, I had a reasonably good career in, as a rider. And um, I think my biggest claim to fame, I won a Lord Mayor's Cup on a horse called Beau Tarage, mm. who, who used to, I used to like, I, I was like leading on horses. Yeah. And uh, especially staying races, and uh, he was a great front running stayer, Hey Bob, you learned mm. pretty early that you had to handle disappointments in this business. You won five straight on a horse called Ketchup, so you expect to be on it at his next run. Not the case. <laughs> on jumps George Moore. You must have been shattered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you, 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 there's plenty of disappointments. There's more disappointments in racing than there is. There's more highs, more lows than there is highs in racing. And mm. that was certainly one when I'd won five races on that horse, five straight on him, I think I'd won, and got taken off in me six. But that mean to be play, replaced by George Moore was <laughs> that's no mean feat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, what was the best yeah. horse you rode in those riding days? Uh, was Kill Sherry oh, the best horse? I'll kill Sherry, but I didn't ride him in a race. No. The best horse I won on, I won on a horse called Fair Patton at Ramwick, mm. 2,000 metre race. He'd won two Brisbane Cups. And um, uh, I think Vic Thompson used to train him. We end up getting him, and I won a 2,000 metre race on him at Ramwick. Mm. Horse called Fair Pat, and one of, I'm looking at a photo actually of it now. Yeah, and right. he was just a magnificent horse yeah, and a he, powerful horse. One of the hardest horses I've ever ridden. Was he? Was he? 
Yeah. yeah. He well, could really pull. He had a big white blaze, didn't he, or a baldy face? Yeah. Yeah, he had, uh, he had a baldy face and uh, four mm. white socks. Yeah. Oh, he, he was, was a big bay. Yeah, he was a flashy. Looked a lot like my good mare, Bianco Lady. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to her shortly. Bob, you spent 17 years at Tullock Lodge and you lived in a little flat directly above the office, right on Barrel Street. And yeah, correct. Uh, I know this yeah. is a, a touchy subject, but it's part of the Bobby Thompson story and we've got to mention it. One day, Tommy Smith gave you some news about that little flat that you'd occupied for such a long time. Yeah, that's correct. It was the foreman's residence. Well, it's a yard foreman there. It was a two or three bedroom little apartment above um, the office at Ballard Street. And he said to me, Bobby said, uh, we've got to start charging your rent on the, on the premises. And I said, oh, yeah. Mm. I said, well, nobody's paid it before me, and I'm not going to start now. Mm. I said, all right, you can finish up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you knew where you stood with that bloke, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, su- I suppose down the track I was always going to start on my own, so mm. he just pushed the button a bit. <laughs> yeah, so you walked straight out the door. <laughs> oh, yeah, a week later I went out the door, he shook my hand, wished me the best of luck. said, you'll have no trouble training your horses, Bobby. He said, your owners are going to be your biggest problem. <laughs> and no truer word said. <laughs> Bob, just hold on there, mate. We're going to take a little break on the podcast. We'll be back with you in just a moment. 2019 English Select Yearling Sales Series is almost upon us, with close to 3,000 yearlings to be offered through the Southern Hemisphere's number one equine auction house. Catalogues for the Sydney Classic Yearling Sale and the Melbourne Premier Sale are now available online at inglis.com.au and in hard copy, while the Easter Preview magazine featuring almost 500 world-class pedigrees is also ready for your perusal. 1,013 horses will be offered at the Classic Sale, beginning at the Riverside Stables on the night of Saturday, February the 9th, directly after the Inglis Race Day at Warwick Farm. In a stunning catalogue, there are relations to 76 stakes winners, including eight group winners, and the progeny of 103 stakes winning mares, including 10 group one winners. Riverside Stables will be hosting sheer quality at the 2019 Classic Yearling Sale. Well, Bob, here we are starting a brand new career, uh, Bob Thompson Trainer. You rented a stable from a lady on the corner of Botany Street and Barker Street. Your part owned a horse called Regalay, which Gil Ings, I think, was training at the time, so you went and plucked him out of Gil's place. And luckily, the lady asked you to train a horse for her in exchange for the rent. Yeah, that's correct. It was just near the, the service station at the corner of um, Barker Street and Botany Street. And down that, and I had a horse called Regalay. And I'm pretty sure the horse the lady owned was a horse called Beau Chatain. I'm mm. pretty sure that was its name. I'm, but yeah, and uh, I trained it for the rent on the stables and I started with those two horses. And they were both slow horses, Bob, weren't they? Oh uh, yes, I'm not sure whether I won a race. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I might have 
might have won a provincial race with Wigley. I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't really know. But I used to ride one and lead one down to the track from there. there. Mm. Ride one and lead one down to the track and work. And, but that was very early days when I only had two horses. Yep, yep. Well, a man yeah. called Len Mooney came into your life shortly after with a certain proposition. What did he say to you? Yeah, Len, Len Mooney, and just through... Must have been when I actually moved up to um, the share the stables on uh, Roundwick, and he lived in Wandsley Road. Mm. And um, I'm not really sure how I got introduced to Lenny. I'm not really sure, but he, he asked me if I'd approach Ray Guy mm-hmm. to buy a horse that he was in called Tudor Charger, mm-hmm. uh, which I did. And he was a Tudor Charger was by Capricorno. Yeah. I don't think he'd been raced further than 1,500 metres, but... but um, when I looked at his breeding, I thought, oh, this horse should stay. You know, he's by Capricorno, who's by Never Say Die. And, uh, and so I approached him and, and Ray sold the horse to me. And he was, uh, and um, Jackie Thompson had an association with Lenny Mooney and their people in the horse. And uh, so, and being a, down the mile there, Jack would ride the horse track work and was a great, great help to me as a, as a starting off. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he was a great help to me, Jack Thompson. And he'd ride the horse. And in between the two of us, and including Neville Boyd, we got the horse ready to win. Um, not his, not first up, of course, but no. we, uh, we, we, we uh, progressed to train him to get ready for the mile and a half winter stakes. Mm. In the June of '76, mm. and he duly won the Winter Stakes mile and a half, and that was my first um, first uh, winner at Randwick, first Metropolitan winner with Jack Thompson on board. And you know, Bob, by an amazing coincidence, Jack Thompson also rode Tommy Smith's first winner. Braga. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Now, I mean, how, how? I mean, how freakish is that? You know, he he rode my first. Winner and and TJ's first winner. That's mm. incredible. Yeah, but what a great help Jack was to to yeah. young trainers. He he was that that we he, we devised a plan in that race. I can remember that very clearly. That race there was five runners in it. Mm. I had two. I had was called Henri Kerr, who Tommy used to train actually. Mm. Neville Boyd rode it, and the great Miracle Mal was on the odds-on favourite clear day. Was he in that race, <laughs> Malcolm? <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and we we said <laughs> Malcolm was uh, leading on Clear Day, and we set Henry Kerr to go head and head with Clear Day to worry the hell out of him. <laughs> and Tomo just sat back, <laughs> giggling, sat <laughs> back, giggling. <laughs> I bring when Malcolm's over a serious putt to win golf. I bring that up every time, and he misses the putt every time. <laughs> <laughs> Does he remember the occasion, Bob? Oh, yeah. He does. Well, he claims he doesn't. Claims he doesn't, but he does. Yeah, of course he does. (laughs) Bob, you got hold of a pretty useful horse in the mid-1970s who appeared in race books and form guides as being by an unidentified sire from an unidentified mare. He raced under the name of Mondizo, 
and you won the first three starts you gave him. He went bang, 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 all at Randwick. Yeah, that was correct. Uh, I got the opportunity to go to a guy called Ted Hawcroft who had a stud farm called, I think it was called Biley Stud, mm. and uh, to, to choose three horses uh, to lease, to find leases for them. And uh, Mondiso was one of them, and in those days he wasn't actually registered. So to be registered to race, he had to be registered by un- unidentified sire, unidentified mare. But the actual horse was by uh, Ray, was by Raimondo out of Paradiso, mm. and he was a very genuine, hundred percent little racehorse. Tried his little heart out. Mm. Uh, yeah, he managed to win his first three starts in a race at Randwick with Neville Boyd on him. Yeah, he ran in the slipper too, didn't he, Bob? Yeah, he ran in the slipper. The previous run before the slipper, he'd run second to, to Lusk and Star, and then uh, he ran in Lusk and Star's golden slipper, which everybody knows was yeah. sensational. And he was Absolutely still winning welters, wasn't he? Two or three years later, he was still winning welters for you. Yeah, yeah, he... He had about 23 or 24 starts for me and collected a check 23 times. Mm. And uh, he was a very good uh, midweek welter horse, um, very handy. He had only a small horse, but mm. could carry weight and was 100% genuine. Yeah. Bob, you mentioned a mare earlier in our chat called Bianco Lady. Great big daughter of Rangong. She had 47 starts. 11 wins, 9 placings. She won an anniversary handicap, a Canterbury Cup. She won the Chairman's Handicap. She ran fifth in the 1982 Melbourne Cup. What sort of a thrill was that? Oh, there's nothing, nothing better. Unbelievable. I think the year was 82. Mm. And um, she, I got her, she's trained by Walt Cody at Warwick Farm and I think he passed away. And um, somehow or other, they asked me to train him. Mm. And it could have nearly been through Jack Thompson that I got that horse. I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, he rode for Wally Cody all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and which I did. And she had 13 starts before she won a race. But, oh, boy, what a horse. What a horse. I'll never forget that later on down the track, I was playing golf in Melbourne with Gary Willits. Mm-hmm. And Gary said, hey, Bobby, he said, that mare you, you trained, Bianco Lady. He said, she was pretty tough. I said, they weren't any tougher. Yeah. He said, when she won the chairman's handicap, I was on uh, Noble Comment. He said, she come up to me. Mm. And he said, I give her three of the best cracks down the head with the whip you've mm. ever seen. And she kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and Did beat me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and they'll leave him over there with a golf club. Yeah. Oh, she was a tough old girl. She yeah, won the Sandown Cup after that Melbourne Cup. Then you won an yeah. open race at Caulfield to keep it ticking over, and then she went to Perth. She ran second yeah. in the Cox Stakes. She won the Perth Cup, but Neville Voigt wasn't on board that day, Bob. No, Neville got a month suspension in the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the race closely, I know it was a great Melbourne Cup. Malcolm went second on Kingston Town and Gurners Lane won with Mick Dittman. But if you watch that race closely, mm-hmm. the unlucky runner was Bianco Lady. Mm-hmm. And Neville, Neville had it. She was following. She was in and well, one off the fence. Mick was following her on Gurners Lane. 
And Neville had nowhere to go, about 300 out, so he dragged her over the heels of other horses to get her to the outside. And then she started to power home. Dittman stayed where he was and got the run right along the fence on Gurner's Lane and won the race. The Anko lady was powering over at the finish and ran fifth. But uh, and Neville got a month's suspension. Anyhow, um, we got Neville and I got the train back from the race course. I can't understand why before the last race, and he's sitting opposite me in the train. All of a sudden, he, tears started coming to his eyes. Yeah. I said, "Mate, what's what's the matter? What's the matter?" Yeah. Uh, he said, "I cost you a Melbourne Cup." He said, "She should have won," and he got a month's suspension for his trouble. Uh-huh. So, um. I forget who won the Sandown Cup on it. Must, it might have been Brent Thompson. Yeah, it was Brent. Not really sure. Yeah, and Brent rode yeah, her well, in Perth I, too. Yeah, well, he rode her in Perth. I knew that. Mm. And I was only uh, speaking to Brent. And I play golf with Brent sometimes now. Mm. But, but uh, he brings it up that uh, what a great win it was when she won the Perth Cup, and mm. which it was, because Tommy had the favourite, actually. He had the favourite in the race. I can't think of its name. Mm. I can't And uh, well, she just blows them. She just blasted I me. Mean, she won very easy. 40-degree temperature and everything. Mm. And it was very hot. But, no, what a great mare. Great staying mare. Well, her mother was a sister to Karaoke. Oh, what a great mare. And I wonder if she could stay. Yeah, Karaoke yeah. by Felt Yet Out of Sing Again. Yeah. Was the pedigree. Well, her mother was either a sister or half-sister to Karaoke. Bob, you had a so lot of time was, for a horse called Grey Receiver. He was a long striding grey horse by John's Hope. He was part owned by a great name in tennis at the time, Kim Warwick, who at one stage was ranked number 15 in the world. Grey Receiver won two Galaxies. He won a Newcastle Newmarket. He won a Stradbroke or an Elders, as it was called that year. And didn't he run second in the Rothmans 100,000 at the same time? Yeah, Malcolm Johnson beat him on. Imposing. Oh, yep. Beat him a short outfit on imposing. But uh, Phil Dent was in the horse, and a guy called Lester Durney, who I tra- who I end up training other horses for, all the angel horses, mm. Lester. And I had a lot, a lot of success with, uh, with Lester Durney and his family uh, later on after Grey Receiver. But, yeah, yeah, Harry Clark trained him, and he, got, he must have got... Suspended, I think, disqualified or something, Harry Clark. Mm. And they asked me to train him. Boy, what a horse. What a horse. Yeah, I know you loved him. Oh, God, he was a good horse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did win two galaxies and and elders. And he was just a man and a lovely, big, strong horse. Well, the colours he used, Mm. uh, my son's uses them to this day and the colours Shooter Charger uses mm-hmm. which is the uh, green, pale green, orange, dark green, dark green cap Jamie uses as his second set of colours. Right. Yeah. Well those yeah. pale green orange stars, they've been your stable colours for many years. All of your good ones carried them. Yeah, yeah. For some reason or other some of the good horses I had known as Preferred to run in my colours, you know, mm. Slight Chance raced in them, Linda's uh, mm. uh, raced in them, uh, Shogun Lodge raced in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, here's another yeah. name. Here's another name that'll get you going. Card Shark. 
He had 59 oh. starts, 14 wins, 13 placings. He won an O'Shea Stakes. He won an All-Age Group 1. He won a Prime Minister's Cup Group 2. And he won the Villiers of 1987. Now, there's a little story here that I don't think we've ever told uh, on air before about that Villiers. He had his head in the adjoining stall when the starter said go, didn't he? Correct. That is correct. He, Darren Beardman was on him. He was my stable rider at the time. Cardshark was related to a really good horse. He was related. He was a half-brother to Avon Angel. Mm. And and uh, and yeah, in that particular villa, he got missed a kick by about seven or eight lengths. Mm. And the starter told me later on down the track, he said, I picked up the phone to ring Shrek to tell him they were to tear him a non starter, and the damn phone wouldn't work. Mm. And, this, and Darren just bided his time, picked up the tag that was second last horse. And rode him for luck and got a run right through along the fence and duly yeah. won the billiards. Yeah, it was a sensational one. But he was a very good horse. Wasn't he? At one stage, he held a 1,000-metre record at Canterbury and a 2,400-metre record at the Gold Coast. Mm. One horse, same time. That's incredible. Now, Bob, what about you talk about pleasant surprises in racing and the unpredictable factors that emerge every now and again? What about a horse called Regal Native? On Epsom Day, uh, I think it was 1988, he was first emergency in the Epsom and you thought you were 100 to 1 of getting a run. Yeah, that's correct. Darren Beedman was on him. and I think he'd drawn 20 alley or something like that. Mm. And there was a scratching in the morning of the Epsom. He duly got a run. And, uh, of course, um, the rest is history where he... Darren Rowdy, one of Darren's early first Group 1 winners, and mm. uh, was a little horse called Regal Native. And uh, he went on and won the races after that, but that was just one out of the box when he won that Epsom. That was sensational coming from the wide alley. Bob, you spent 55 years in the racing industry, which makes it impossible to cover your career in one segment. So in segment two, we're going to look at more of the top horses you trained, the jockeys with whom you enjoyed success. We'll look at the unfortunate circumstances that forced your retirement from training and we'll talk about the progress of your son, Jamie, who's training successfully from his Hawkesbury stables. That'll be in segment two with Bob Thompson. Mate, that'll be appreciate that very much. Monday, April 8th until Wednesday, April 10, 2019 are the dates for the English Australian Easter Yearling Sale, the most important and influential yearling sale in this part of the world. While the final catalogue isn't released until January, it's shaping to be one of the best ever. There's a three-quarter brother to the Autumn Sun, a full brother to Merchant Navy, a half-brother to Shoals, a full brother to Brazen Bow, a three-quarter brother to Lankan Rupee, a full sister to John Snow, a half-brother to Unforgotten, a half-sister to Catchy, a half-brother to Dundeal, a half-brother to I Victory, a half-sister to She Will Reign, a three-quarter brother to Seamus Award, and a half-brother to Pino. Stallions with progeny in the sale are Schnitzel, Fastnet Rock, I Am Invincible, Reduce Choice, Sebring, Piero, and Written Tycoon. There's a strong international flavour with sires like Lord 
Canaloa, Deep Impact, Frankel and Tappet. There are 42 siblings to Group 1 winners and the progeny of 35 Group 1 winning mares. The preview magazine is available now and the final catalogue will be out in January. 